today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast, I'd like to welcome Mike Carter. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. And what we're going to do is we're going to very much focus on creativity in the school curriculum. What I usually do is I ask all my guests just to give a very brief overview of their career to date. Over to you. Thank you very much. Yes, well, I trained as a teacher and graduated back in, oh, 1978 with a B.Ed. from Sussex University. And then I taught in a couple of prep schools, uh, the last of which I stayed in for 30 years. And it was an independently owned school with a fantastic head who encouraged me and all of his staff to do other things with the idea that um, teachers who had a real interest in the world would bring a new dynamic to the classroom. I think that was his uh, philosophy. So it worked very well for the school and it worked well for me because it allowed me, I had a passion for theatre and it allowed me to uh, produce professional shows and run um, summer schools and and things like that. And uh, I loved every minute of it. And then the school about 12 years ago was um, was sold, uh, the head retired, um, sold to a um, a private school, and it was time for me to get out. But I've been involved in education ever since, and um, been really busy, and again, loved every minute of it. I think one of the things that that you've done since you've left that school, is it true that you've been a writer in residence? I had the lovely title, a very grand title, of (laughs) um, playwright in residence Ah. at Hearst College. Um, Hearst is uh, one of the Woodard Foundation schools in East Sussex. And what that does is it um, allows me to work with uh, the students there on any form of writing. The the title I have is Playwright in Residence, but I just don't I don't work solely on um, on writing plays. It's any form of writing. So I'm always there if students want to um, come and have a chat about um, the work that they've done. And one of the things that we do is um, every year um, there's a film competition and the idea of it is that every house there are 12 houses they all write a script so I guide them through the script writing process and then bring in um, a film crew and we film it for them Um, and I think it's so important I think it's important because so many schools have developed drama which is great I love it Um, but probably for every 10 students leaving school and going into the sort of theatrical arts and and media will end up being involved more in media and film Um, and a lot of them don't have any experience in that at all so what the house film competition does is it introduces them to the whole concept of film and uh, and I think that's really useful. You and I have worked together um, for quite a number of years haven't we Uh, in the role that I used to have when I when I worked as a deputy head but you used to do some work uh, with primary school children from the state sector I remember going to your writing workshops and you really inspired them. Could you just explain to our listeners why you think writing is so important in the curriculum? Yes, well, it's another form of creativity. And I think that all forms of creativity should be encouraged and developed within schools. Uh, and I remember when I was, well, I was at school myself, being, being given a title every, every week, every Friday, been given a title and told to write an essay on it it was like you know the storm or the fight or whatever um so a lot of what i do is give uh, young people practical advice how do you get ideas how do writers get ideas where do they come from um and how do you 
How do you structure a story? What, what is tension? How do you create and develop tension and develop characters? And I think this side of um, writing is possibly a little bit ignored within schools. Um, and when I go into schools as a, um, as a writer and um, in, a, in a capacity to encourage creative writing, these are the things which I, I focus on. And then the filmmaking. Um, what skills do you think young people can develop through the art of filmmaking? It's an interesting question. Um, you see, most young people have access to, you know, to film already because they use their phone to film stuff and things like that. Um, and I think that what, what we do when we're working with schools is give young people an idea of, of, of how the whole thing is, is, is put together um, and how, how we edit. Film is so exciting. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, you know, when we arrive in schools with all our equipment, um, you know, people are instantly excited by it. And it's that, it's not just about filmmaking, it's about generating that real sense of creative excitement. And that's what, I think that's what young people want and need. You find that there's a gender divide in terms of, is it girls that like to do the acting when you're making the films and the boys who want to do the the actual filming the directing or is, is there no evidence of that at all i don't see any evidence of that it, it is quite interesting that sort of when we uh, when we make um, the house films for example at hearst college there are 12 houses i think there are six boys houses six girls houses and the girls want to make films about relationships uh, whether that's relationships between themselves or whatever it is, but they're, they're relationship driven and the boys still want to make sort of, you know, gung-ho things. They want fights and chases and, and whatever, but that's fine. It's okay. I mean, we, we do that. We explain to them why it's, why it's so difficult to sort of to film a chase and what you have to do in order to, to film a chase. And um, yeah, but, but in terms of, of, Boys and girls, you know, wanting to be in front of the camera or behind the camera. No, I don't. I've not been aware of any particular gender divide as far as that's concerned. And and you are actually an independent filmmaker, aren't you? That's right, Susan. When I when I left um, teaching, I wanted I had a I wanted <laughs> sounds a bit I wanted to be a film director, um, and so I made a couple of feature films. I wrote them myself and directed them myself, and they were obviously very low budget, but they've actually done quite well um, because there isn't a, you know, you, one can sort of um, make low budget films and they can be sold on Amazon and, and you know, through DVD and, um, you know, uh, and, and platforms like that. So it's possible now, whereas in the past it, it wasn't. Um, and, oh, yeah, I learned such a lot from that. It was a bit frightening because I didn't, I really had, I had a lot of um, experience in, in theatre, but not in filmmaking. So I was learning on the hoof. Um, and fortunately, I was with, you know, I was with people who were very sort of understanding of, of, of my limitations in terms of understanding what film was all about, but embraced my desire to tell a story. And, and, and that, was, that was what it was in. I just want to play a short trailer now for our listeners. And it's from one of those um, films that you made called Brothers of War. Do you think there'll be a war, Mrs. Jackson? You're a farmer. You've got responsibilities here. I have to go. 
This is not a good place for you. Germans are everywhere, like rats. Initially, that was called fraternity, and it should have stayed as fraternity because uh, it was bought by um, a distribution company, and they changed the name. And unfortunately, people think they're getting a war film when they buy it, but they're not. They're getting a wartime drama, which is completely different. Um, but hey, it was a lot of fun to make. And what inspired you to make it? It's about families, really, about relationships within families. Um, I come from a, um, a very small family and, and I look rather sort of, you know, sadly and re regrettably, I never really got on with my sister very well. Um, and the film is, is, is about, it's, I mean, it's about really two brothers who, who have this sort of tension and conflict the whole time. Um, and uh, one of them goes off to war and the other one can't because um, uh, he's been involved in an accident. Um, and it's, I suppose, for me, it was an exploration of the um, of, of the issues that exist within families when when they don't quite gel as well as they should do. Okay, I'm going to ask you another question. Was it was it harder making the film than actually being a teacher? <laughs> um, yes, it probably was because I was trained as a teacher, so I sort of from day one I knew what I was doing, um, and I didn't in terms of. of of, of film directing. I, I knew virtually nothing. I hadn't even made a short film by the time I made a feature film. So I was I was way out of my depth. And because I was desperate to, to make a film, um, I ended up really writing it and directing it and producing it all at once. And um, I, I, I took on too much. I know I took on too much. Um, so it was it was really hard. It was really hard, yes. But I mean, we all look back, don't we, on the things in our lives which have been sort of, you know, the, the most rewarding. And they're always the ones that are the, are the hardest at the time and the most demanding. So I do look back on um, Brothers of War and the film I made previously, which was called Connected, which is a sort of a rom-com with a bit of a, a ghost twist to it. Um, I, I look back with enormous affection. Um, I made so many good friends uh, through that. Um, and you know, I'm just so glad I did it. And did you learn anything about new about yourself? I think so, yes. I mean, I believe that we always learn about ourselves as we go through life. And and I've always been somebody who's want, wanted to try things and do things. I'm a great believer. I mean, we've only got one life, you, you know, that you can't wait for things to happen and just sit back and, and complain when they don't. You've got to get out there. I want, so for example, I wanted to make a film. So I was never going to be accepted as a director, having never directed anything, so I had to make it myself. Um, and I suppose I didn't learn on set about the importance of going out and doing it, it but it reinforced my belief. And it's something that I, you know, that when I'm working with young people, you know, I, I do say, look, if you want to go and do something, you've got, you've got to be proactive. You just can't wait. Get out there and make mistakes. I think that's the, one of the most important things. A lot of schools talk about the importance of making mistakes, but I'm not quite sure 
whether the curriculum enables students to make that many mistakes. And we have to do that because that is how we learn. And, you know, I look back on my life and, you know, in the, with the greatest respect, Susan, I'm sure you do as well. We're littered with mistakes. We've made mistakes all the way along in our lives. And but that's how you learn. That's how you learn. And do you see yourself making any more films or is it just not the climate now with COVID? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, we're still, I have, have a company and we're still very involved in filmmaking. But what we tend to make is promotional videos for schools and for corporate organisations. Um, <laughs> it's better paid than, um, uh, than, than feature films. Wait, the problem with feature films, you have to wait so long before you get any return at all. Um, and in a way, COVID has been quite kind to us because a lot of schools realised that they couldn't have open evenings and open events and parents' uh, days and things like that. So they came to us and we made a video that would go out to parents and to prospective pupils. Um, and that was, I don't know, a lot of schools even now are thinking, yeah, hang on, we can do this in the future as well. It's a, it is a more effective and slightly slicker way of getting the message out um, to, to parents about what we're all about. So uh, we've been, over the last couple of years, incredibly busy with that. Um, and to young people who are listening, and a bit like you and I've always wanted to be film directors, have you got any advice for them to actually get started in filmmaking? Uh, yes, I probably have. I think, you know, one thing is, okay, it goes back to this, go and do it. Go, you know, we've all got phones that we can, you know, that you can film stuff on. Go and make a little film. Watch films. Um, try and get involved with people, other people, like-minded people who, who are good at what they do. Um, and, and, and just, you know, and try and do as much as you can yourself. And then, of, of course, if it's something that, you know, you want to pursue, there are plenty of really good colleges uh, and universities that have great um, you know, filmmaking and media degrees. Um, but it's, it's, go and do it. That's, that's, you know, what would, um, that's what I would say. There's a, there's a young film director in, um, in Brighton. I met him at Hearst, in fact. And he's made, I mean, he's only 21, I think. And he's made a couple of feature films already. And he, he hasn't even been to... Um, uh, you know, to, to media school or anything like that. He just goes out and does it. Um, and in fairness, um, the, you know, the first film that I've seen is, you know, it's by no means perfect, by no means perfect, but he's done it and he's learned about it. And, you know, his next film will be better and his next film after that will be better still. So um, that would be my suggestion. And aren't there some people who are, you know, quite experienced filmmakers just using their iPhone? Aren't there some... Filmmakers yes. who are doing that. Yes, I'm, I'm. I'm sure there are. I mean, it's so possible. Technology has allowed us to to become much more independent. Whether it's in terms of still making music or making films, uh, videos, podcasts, whatever it is, we can do that now. We have access to uh, the technology, which will allow us to do it in a way that simply wasn't there 10, 15, 20 years ago. So yes, there. You know, there are there are filmmakers out there. You know, doing their own thing. And um, yeah, that's that's great. Brilliant. Now, I, I just want to talk about something slightly different because you have many skills, obviously writer, filmmaker, but you are also a body language coach. I am. Can you talk about that? <laughs> I suppose there are, I don't know, 
dozen or so body language experts in the country who go out and, and run workshops and things like that, and I'm one of them. Um, so I learned through working with um, professional actors and actresses. So for example, if I uh, was directing something uh, with a new um, cast, we would, well, the normal way to start would be by having a read through of the script. And I say, no, 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 put the, put the script away. We're going to um, develop an understanding of your character through the body language. In other words, how did your character come into a room? How do they sit down? How do they stand up? How do they shake hands? Do they shake hands? How do they unwrap a Christmas present? And once you've got that, then you, you've got the, the heart of the character. And that was my style of directing. And I realized after a while that this sort of information is really useful to a whole range of people. And because my background has been in teaching, I do a lot of work with, with teachers, especially NQTs, newly qualified teachers, um, about um, how to use their body language to, in a classroom, how you can get your students to be quiet just through your body language, how to um, sort of um, dilute a confrontational situation, maybe with a parent or um, a distressed student, just by changing your body language and adapting your voice and this kind of thing. So I do a lot of work with, um, you know, in, in schools with students and with teachers on body language and um, and how to how to improve our nonverbal communication and our understanding of that. And have you carried on doing that through through COVID? Well, um, fortunately, I had to, I was working at uh, Dulwich College um, for an organisation called ISTIP, and I it was just this was a couple of years ago, just on the cusp of uh, COVID coming, and I thought, look, I'm in the film business, so I'm going to I'm going to get this filmed. So I did get it filmed, and I've been able to use edited versions of that to go out, and so I can run workshops um, online, but with some some film content as well, which is helpful because if you're trying to talk about body language and you're just sitting in front of a, you know, a, a, of a laptop, it's, it's difficult to do. So um, obviously I haven't had the opportunity to get out and about into schools uh, over the last couple of years to run the workshops, but, um, but I have continued to do some online and very much hoping as, oh, fingers crossed, things will get better to get back into, into schools again, because I love it. Yeah, well, I, I would say to our listeners that, you know, I worked with Mike, was it for about 12 years through? It was. Through doing workshops with newly qualified teachers or early career teachers yeah. now, as they're yeah. referred to. And Mike's session was always the one that when we sort of asked the, 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 the uh, teachers to give us feedback, it had a 100%, um, you know, we loved it. It was brilliant. Um, so it's it's it was it was absolutely you know the most successful part probably of the training that we used to do. That's um, really great to hear. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So definitely something for for schools to to look into. Now we're coming to the end of our conversation, but right. I'm going I am going to um, ask you to be quite creative now. Go on. Yep. Okay. So I want you to imagine that you are ninety years old. Not long to wait. <laughs> And um, you are looking back on your career and um, you're having a celebration party. What would you want to celebrate? Oh, boy. I think I would want to celebrate the fact that I have been able to um, be diverse 
and to to get involved in so many different things um and you know i look back on my life and i, and I don't mean this in a sort of any kind of arrogant way because you know because i've, I've made as we were talking about earlier, so many mistakes along the, along the way. But I, you know, I've been able to write and direct films and be a body language coach, and I've actually designed and built a house um, with with again with no training and run successful summer schools and things like that. And it's just it's that philosophy of just go and do it because it's no good waiting. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you just sit around and and wait for these things. So I think if there was if if I was celebrating and celebrating with, with friends, I think I would like to be remembered as, you know, the guy who 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 went out and did stuff, um, not always that well, but but who didn't sit on his backside and do nothing. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Leave it wonderful. There. We'll leave it there. <laughs> Mike. Can I just say it's been wonderful catching up with you again and um, lots of really good advice and tips there for any of our listeners. And we'll put in the show notes um, some links for people if they if they want to get in contact. Thank you. you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast with your host, Susan Pallister, my special guest on today's show, filmmaker, director, body language coach, Mike Carter.